Aloha, mamá. Sorry por responder hasta ahora. Estuve toda la tarde con mi unidad arreglando un helicóptero Black Hawk. Hawái es increíble. Luego te cuento más. Te quiero. Be all you can be. Visitando goarmy.com diagonal español. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere AroPay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita Boost Mobile. Dicen que traigo la suerte a todo el que está a mi lado Y esa es mi mala fortuna Basada en el clásico de Juan Rulfo Llega Univision El gallo de oro Supongamos que la caponera puede inclinar la suerte A quien ella quiera Estás tardando en conquistarla Con Lucero, José Ron y Plutarco Asa Este gallo está cambiando la vida En una historia legendaria de amor y azar No trates de cambiarme, no lo vas a lograr El gallo de oro Lunes a viernes a las 9 por Univision Well, they still haven't found Dario Toho, but Benitez put more men on the search. Dr. Flores, the forensic doctor in charge of the autopsy, is here. Doctor, doctor, doctor! Jorge, listen to me. I was there. I saw it. This is not just any case. There's something here that can't be explained. I was with Casal, and he didn't know what to tell me. Publish it, please. Circle two columns, page 36, and close it when you leave. Doctor, what were the results? It's risky to say that it's a possession without having data. First of all, one must always remain skeptical. Many times, demonic possessions can be confused with mental pathologies. But have you ever seen self-flagellation or anything like this in mental pathologies? Mm, no, not really. We can only say that they died due to cardiorespiratory arrest due to a probable acute intoxication. That is all I can report. Wait a second, sorry. What's going on? They, they found Toho. But was it a crime? Well, let's begin. Dario Toho, Argentinian, marital status married, age 32 years old, profession salesman. Is that correct? Yes. No signs of violence were detected. Doctor, can we confirm that there was I told you, that's all I can report. That's all I can report. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What happened? I mean, in the closet, in a cardboard box, they've, they've found several syringes. And they were all used. Euphoria presents Paranormal Crimes Where reason meets its limits Season 1 The Mystery of the Cousins An original series by Euphoria Podcast Warning The following story is based on a true case 
with dramatic scenes created from the events and exclusive statements of its protagonists. Some of the identities and situations have been changed. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, we recommend you do so first and then come back so you don't miss any details. And always remember to listen until the last breath. Episode 4 of 8 The Cave of the Beast. Calm down. Let me through. Calm down. Let me Stop through. it. Stop it. For goodness sake. Let me Let me in a meeting. You can't go in. Let me go. After struggling with the two security men who are trying to stop him from entering the newspaper's offices, Torco manages to break free and rushes through the offices to the astonishment of his colleagues. The young security men try to stop him but are unable to prevent Torco from bursting into the editor's office. Can you explain why you didn't publish me? Torco, give me two minutes. I'm with people. Why didn't you publish it? The security guards finally catch up to Torco and try to force him out of the office. Please, come with me. Don't touch me. Let me go. Don't get your hands off me. All right, leave him. There's no need. C could you wait a minute, please? Come here, Torco, follow me. The editor and Torco cross the newsroom with all the journalists staring at them in silence, entrenched at their desks and with their fingers hovering over the keys of their typewriters in mid-sentence. Torco and his boss exit through the emergency door. As soon as they disappear from sight in the newsroom, Everything goes back to normal. The machine continues to run. It's time to report. It's been 7.30 in the morning all over the country. You were telling me that there were new developments in the case of the cousins. Yesterday, the first autopsy was performed, but the results were not satisfactory. They couldn't determine what killed them. And so how does the case continue? They're going to do a second autopsy with samples that were sent to another lab. I hope they're able to solve it this time. On the other hand, yesterday, by order of Judge Casal, they searched the house of the cousins, and so far, no one knows what the police have found. It's a mystery. Sure, a mystery. Like yesterday, what happened to Lancelot's team? 2-0 down. Benitez, could oh. you turn it down or turn it off? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Okay, three disposable syringes and two hypodermic needles. Right, all three used. Where were they? They were found under a bundle of clothes. It's very early, but Judge Cassell, Commissioner Benitez, and Secretary Lucio are already analyzing what Castillo discovered in the cousin's apartment the day before. On a work table, labeled and in transparent bags, they see the syringes and needles, some used underwear, and the personal diaries of the girls. The finding of the syringes raises the possibility of poisoning or overdose, and this may cause a twist in the case. But were they hidden? No, it seems that they were accidentally covered. 
There is nothing accidental here. These girls killed themselves or were killed. Are you finished? Yes, doctor, ready. Read it. Chemical Laboratory Division. Point of expertise requested. Whether the items, three disposable syringes and two hypodermic needles, contain residues of alkaloids or narcotics. I requested this be treated as urgent. Send everything and get the results as soon as possible. Yes, doctor, right away. Secretary Lucio leaves carrying the sealed bags with the needles and syringes. Commissioner Benitez smokes in front of the blackboard where they've displayed all the case's data, including the photos of the bodies. This is horrific. In front of the desk, Judge Casal puts on latex gloves. He carefully picks up one of the intimate diaries and opens it. He reads on the cover the name of Claudia, the younger one of the cousins, and begins to slowly flip through the notebook, looking for any clues to help him solve the case. With a puzzled look on his face, Casal stops at a page with a disturbing drawing. Under the title, The Banquet, two anthropomorphic beings with animal heads dance around the bonfire. The following drawing shows them rolling around by the fire. Uh, I mean, what did they inject them themselves with? Did they, they don't look suicidal? I mean, I'm more inclined to think that someone injected them, but how did they get in and how, how did he get out and why would he do that? Casal isn't paying attention. He looks at the drawings and wonders. Why does everything about this case have such a sinister cast? Why does everything seem so cursed? He thinks of Torco and how he would plow through these drawings in his analysis. And if it was an overdose, shouldn't we find... Repeat that, please. Shouldn't we have found needle marks if it was an overdose? According to the coroner, it would be impossible to find them because of the state of the skin. As for the overdose, it should have come out in the first autopsy. I'm going to need someone to take these notebooks to Foglia. He's waiting for them. I'll take care of it. Forensic graphology is not an exact science, but the study of the pen strokes of one's writing can be the key to entering into the unconscious mind of a criminal or a victim. Casal knows that Dr. Foglia is one of the most renowned judicial graphologists, and he hopes that his analysis of the notebooks will allow him to get to know more deeply the personality of the girls. Perhaps this will shed some light on the darkness of the case. Uh, excuse me, I'm looking for Dr. Foglia. Oh, are those Casal's notebooks? Yes, the Fernandez Huron case. Well, I'll take them. I work with them. Dr. Vijegas stamps her signature, receives the notebooks, and takes them to the research room. There, Dr. Foglia and the rest of the team are waiting to begin studying the young women's writings. Foglia is very good at his job, and he knows what they expect from him. Right. Uh, let's start with a superficial study of the pen strokes and then go deeper. The idea is to determine if in the psyche of the victims there could have been some imbalance, uh, dissociation, or trait with a tendency towards suicide. Any questions?
Can you explain to me what's going on with you? And you? You couldn't come out for one minute and talk to me. You're tough, Turco. The editor and Turco arrive at the newspaper's general archive in the basement of the building. They pass through the poorly lit corridors made up of metal shelves full of cardboard boxes covered with dust and mold, where the news that once interested the public and that probably no one will ever read again is stored. In the back, they find what was once a reading room, a table, some chairs, and an old coffee machine. Why didn't you publish me? Because last night the board of directors called me at home. Useless pieces of shit. They told me they don't want anything else related to demons, to possessions, to satanic rites, nothing. They don't want anything that could offend any religion. And what does spontaneous combustion and psychokinesis have to do with religion? They didn't even read it. No, but they already know where you're going and they don't want to. But you and I have already talked about this. We know where it's going. I don't understand why you're reacting like this. It bothers me that you didn't even consult me. I've pulled at least 50 articles of yours and you never reacted like this. What's going on, Turco? The boy who wouldn't let me into your office. How old is he? Before he was born, I was already writing here. 20 something years old. Look where all the hours of my life end up. Don't be so dramatic, it's not like that. So how is it then, if in the end we end up just like this, papers rotting in a basement? Who's going to read you? Who's going to remember you? That happens. And that happens because we've lost the spark, Jorge. We've lost the fire to ask ourselves things. How? Who? Why? What for? And in this case, those two girls, they gave me that back. They lit the spark. They make me feel that if the article ends up down here, I don't care. Because I'm doing it for myself. Because I want to know what happened in that house. You're out of your mind. This is already personal, you know. I was in that bathroom. I saw that bathtub. I saw the pictures with the bodies, and that's not normal. In 20-something years, I've never seen anything like that. Understand? Thanks for the coffee. Stop, where are you going? Find yourself another story and they'll publish it, wherever you want. <laughs> You're the best, Jorge. Don't you want me to write it down here and put it directly into the box? Be careful what you get yourself into. I'm going into the beast's cave. Stay out of trouble. Tortico leaves the newspaper, carrying with him his years and his annoyance, but also his renewed faith to believe in something again. Meanwhile, at the courts, Lucio, the secretary, returns through the ground floor hallways after having sent the needles for analysis. As he passes the reception desk, the telephone operator beckons him to come closer. Are you going up to Casal's office? Yes, I'm on my way there. This just came for him. It's urgent. Oh, thank you. I'll take it. 
Secretary Lucio accepts the package and gets in the elevator. The envelope has the letterhead of the crime lab where they tested the food and soda found in the kitchen of the house. The possibility that they died of food or soda poisoning and that the case ends here is answered inside that envelope. The secretary is tempted to open it, but he knows better than to do so. However, his curiosity is stronger. Negative. What are you talking about, Lucio? The secretary pulls out a few sheets of paper from the envelope and begins to read. Let's see. All the procedures were carried out on the contents of the soft drink bottle and on the stew that were sent with such effects. The results of the complete toxicological analysis of these elements were totally negative, both for the liquid and the food sample. In other words... <sighs> food poisoning ruled out. One less possibility. But at least it's a step forward. That depends on whether we're walking in the right direction or not. Casal approaches the board where the case seems to branch out in an endless fan. He follows his gaze down the path to the stark picture of the kitchen table where the pot of stew and the bottle of soda can be seen. Next to it, he writes, negative. Negative. Then his gaze wanders in the other directions, looking for something solid to stand on. He stops when he comes to the name of Irma's lover, Dario Tojo, a man that he should probably demand a bit more effort from. Unit 2393 confirms arrival at the Vicente Lopez morgue, transferring the male, Dario Toho, for identification. Entry confirmed. When forensic Dr. Flores was unable to identify the victims with their fingerprints, Casal asked the family to send someone who would recognize them. By their decision, the designated person is Dario Toho, who now walks the halls of the Vicente Lopez Hospital with Deputy Inspector Castillo. Yes? I'm bringing the witness for the identification of the Jerome Fernandez case. Are, are you Castillo? That's right. Dr. Flores, nice to meet you. Are you a relative? Yeah. What is your name? Dario. The half-open door of the morgue reveals, over Flores' shoulder, the two bodies covered with a white blanket on the steel tables under the intense and hostile light of the tubes. Dario, are you aware of the state of the bodies? Yeah. Okay. And you? I found him. Lucky you. Go ahead. Flores hands them each a mask and they enter. The coroner knows this is not a pleasant moment for anyone, so he tries to be as expeditious as possible. As soon as he approaches the first table, he pulls back the blanket, revealing the torso and the face of the first body. Toko approaches slowly, without changing his gesture, until he is less than a meter away. Do you recognize her? It's, uh, it's hard for me. Do you need more light? No, no. Toho comes a little closer, leans in, inches away from her face. Anne, is that her? Uh, I really don't 
recognize her. Dr. Judge Casal, meeting number four. It's a crescendo, a novel in chapters. Really, every day was a new chapter that had to do with the case. And that didn't have to do with the case. It really aroused a lot, a lot of curiosity, all of this. We'll be right back with more Paranormal Crimes. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arobay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita Boost Mobile. Esto solo es el principio. Porque lo mejor. Esto no se va a quedar así. Lo más impactante. ¿Por qué? Soy tu madre. Esta mujer me robó. Por favor, abre tus ojos. Está por venir en. ¡Pablo! ¡Entendiste! Tu vida es mi vida. De lunes a viernes a las 8 por Univisión. Y eso. Sí que amerita un brindis, ¿no crees? Let's continue with more paranormal crimes. In a darkened room, a projector is turned on. Its light reveals the silhouette of the graphologist Villegas standing next to the projected image of the cover of Claudia's notebook. Okay, I'm going to start with the younger one. In front of the graphologist, her staff listens attentively. While in the back of the room, in a dark corner, sits Dr. Foglia, head of the department, his pipe smoke giving a ghostly body to the light beam. Name, Claudio Fernandez. Hmm, already looking at this cover, there's an error in the N of the word name, and the accent of her last name is missing. This already indicates a deficient level of schooling and maybe a lack of graphic memory. Oh, and here it says, if I get angry for a moment, I have a love madness. In the second sheet, we can see that she does not maintain coordination. She has cuts and overlaps in her construction, which means a marked attention disorder. But in addition, all the writing could be classified as gladiolate, which, as you know, means it changes size in the same word, which marks a certain physical and mental weakness. And there's something in the ovals. What do you see? Uh, they are flattened and have no continuity. Look how she writes the D, the G, the P. This is graphic atrophy. And in the first instance, it indicates a lack of graphic cohesion and a psychic dissociation. It is a dissociation of her own ego. And it is quite pronounced. Mm, yeah. Uh, this is something to pay attention to, but, uh, but go on, please. In the morgue, Coroner Flores holds the blanket waiting for Dario Tojo to continue trying to recognize the body. Deputy Inspector Castillo prefers to look away. The memory of the hours he spent alone with both bodies in the house still haunts him in his dreams. 
Dario Toro looks at the corpses and shakes his head. You don't recognize her? No. No, although it could be Claudia, her cousin. But uh, I don't recognize her. Keep in mind that uh, the bloating has altered everything, right? Yeah, I can tell. And uh, the other one, do you recognize her? The coroner unveils the second body down to her waist, and Toko's face changes, his features hardening. Now, there's something familiar. The bra, the watch, uh, the Irma's, the body looks like someone else's. But those, those are hers. Could you confirm that this is Irma and this is Claudia? No, it looks like them, but uh, I don't know. I can't say for sure that it's them. I mean, I'm sure the bra, the watch, the Irma's. But I don't know about the bodies. The coroner looks sideways at Deputy Inspector Castillo. They both know that now, Another method of identifying the bodies will have to be found. Toko's testimony is not enough. The coroner escorts them to the door, and they say goodbye. Castillo escorts Dario Toko through the corridors of the hospital, wondering, what if they're not the bodies of these women? What if they switched bodies, and these women are alive somewhere? What if Toko is lying? Miles away, Someone asks the same question, but to answer it, he goes straight to the source. Who is there? You must be Dario Toho's ex-wife, right? Who is asking? I'm an acquaintance of Dario's. Is he home? No. No, he's not. Are you a policeman? No, no. Worse. I'm a journalist. <laughs> um... <laughs> But that's why I wanted to talk to him, because so many things are being talked about, and many of them don't help him. Do you mind if I wait for him outside? No, no, not at all. Would you like to come in? Sure, yeah, if that's okay with you. Please, <laughs> come in, come in. I knew I recognized a familiar face. You work in television, didn't you? I've done a couple of things. Torco enters the house, following the woman through a dark dining room, with an old television turned on and a worn-out couch where a couple of old dogs sleep. They reach the kitchen, which leads to an abandoned backyard, and in the back, a shack made of sheet metal. Suddenly, a wild dog appears barking with rabid fury through the window that separates them. Shut up! Shut up! Would you like some tea? Sure, I'll take some. Thank you. He looks mean, but he's good. Your ex-husband? <laughs> no, no. The dog. No, I know. I don't know your ex-husband. And what are they saying about Dario? A little bit of everything. Can I be frank with you? Yes, of course. I don't care about people's private lives, what they do or don't do in the privacy of their own home. The relationship you had and whether you were aware of the other relationship. That doesn't interest me. That's your business. To each his own. But Dario's in the middle of a case in which they're looking for those responsible on this earth, and they're not going to find them. But Dario has nothing to do with it. He's not capable of something like that. I know, and I agree. 
Unless Dorian knows how to manipulate water with his mind to generate a spontaneous combustion, there would be no possibility that he could ever have done it. Spontaneous... what? I don't understand. The girls were found in the bathtub. One of them undressed next to the tub and got in. The other didn't finish undressing and got in too. Even with her watch on. What makes two women rush into a bathtub full of water? That they were burning? Exactly. But if there are no traces of fire or marks on the skin, how does that happen? I don't know. Well, it opens the possibility of thinking that it is a psychokinetic event, like a psychoragia. I don't follow you there. A psychoragia is a violent discharge of psychic energy that can manifest itself in thousands of ways. One of them is pyrogenesis, which is when you can make any element catch on fire by itself with the power of the mind. But uh, how do they do that? To tell you the truth, between you and me, no idea. Nobody knows yet. However, that doesn't prevent cases from existing. Oh, okay. Think of it this way. For 200 years, scientists didn't know what electricity was or how to define it. And yet that didn't stop us from using it. And you think Dario can do that? Maybe not Dario. I don't know him. But maybe he knows who. At the courthouse, Judge Casal receives a call from Coroner Flores. The conversation also revolves around Dario Tojo, who now forces them to make a decision to move forward with the identification of the bodies. He did clarify that the bra and the watch belonged to his girlfriend. But he wasn't sure about anything. No. Did you feel he was telling the truth? Yes, I felt it was real. He was in pain. It wasn't easy to do what he had to do. I know, darn it. What do you recommend, Flores? Um, I would send a sample to uh, the Department of Necropapuloscopy for an identity test. Let Mitra get hold of it, and with that, I would have peace of mind. He will be able to solve it. I'll authorize it right away so you can proceed. Dr. Judge Casal, meeting number four. El reconocimiento del cuerpo o de los cuerpos. The recognition of the body or bodies. It is performed by Tojo, who only recognizes the one who was his girlfriend or his partner or whatever from a bra that she had on because he could not really recognize her due to the state of decomposition of the bodies. Who only recognizes the one who was his girlfriend or his partner or whatever from a bra she had on, because he could not really recognize her due to the state of decomposition of the bodies. The identification of the two victims takes place from very intense work, carried out by the scientific police and the forensic medical office. The hands had to be cut off, the fingers had to be skinned, in a way of saying, stretched, stretched, stretch the skin to determine the fingerprints. That is done as if it were meticulous craft work, and that makes it really very difficult to wrap it up. Because often, there is no possibility at that stage to finish this type of report. Given the uh, impossibility of a precise identification of the bodies, the hands 
are being cut off the wrists in order to be sent to the Department of Police Necropapiloscopy. While the coroner carefully stores the hands in two jars, graphologist Foglia and his team continue to analyze the lines that those same hands made in life. Okay, continuing with Irma Hiron, the older one. She writes, In absence, I keep our love. On a first analysis, we can highlight an evident disorder in the organization of the graphic space that speaks of emotional instability, of a personality given to exaltation and to a continuous change of mind. Next, she writes, I like to admire you in order to find peace. In this slide... Excuse me, Vijegas. I would like to point out something that I also saw in the previous one. But here it is even clearer. Look at the angle. Some words slant to the right. They are right leaners. Others to the left, left leaners. And all of them in the same sentence. That's true. And what does this respond to? To a personality of an aggressive verbal fieriness with impulsive and poorly controlled traits. And I should add, driven by desire. And that desire was passionate? Can a link be established between them? What we arrived at is that they share symbols of homosexuality with traits of concealment. If there was a relationship, it was secret. Well, well, I mean, on the other one hand, we have a 15-year-old girl who presents a clear case of psychic dissociation with a distortion of her own self and an emotionally manipulative personality. And on the other hand... On the other hand, we have a young woman of 21, manipulative, with a will to dominate, a desire to command, a victim of her own ambitions, irrepressible in moments of anger, and a sense of passion that is prevalently aggressive. Could we say that we are dealing with a suicide of passion, a love pact, or as one of them says, a love madness? Shut up! If you don't shut up, you don't eat! Toko's ex-wife comes out to the garden, carrying leftovers for the dog. Torko takes advantage of these moments to look at the details of the house. Everything seems too normal. He doesn't think it's possible for these people to be involved in anything beyond their own earthly problems. If I don't feed him, he runs away. I don't know how he does it. May I ask you a personal question? Go ahead. Were you upset when you found out that Dario was in a relationship with Irma? Back again! I already fed you! Knock it off! Don't feel like you have to answer me. No, it's okay. It doesn't really... It doesn't really mean anything to me. It makes me feel sad for Dario. Hey, what are you guys asleep? After greeting his dogs, Dario Toho enters the kitchen, and his expression changes when he discovers Torco sitting there, very quietly drinking tea. Toho's confused expression enables Torco to stand up, anticipate, and greet him. How are you, uh, Dario? Who are you? I'm Turco. You don't know me, but. I came because I wanted to talk to you for a little bit, if you'll allow me. You got two minutes? Listen to him. He wants to help you. Who'd you say you were? 
Turco. Everybody calls me Turco. Hey, come on. Two minutes. We'll be right back with more paranormal crimes. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arobay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita Boost Mobile. Esto solo es el principio. Porque lo mejor. Esto no se va a quedar así. Lo más impactante. ¿Por qué? Soy tu madre. Esta mujer me robó. Por favor, abre tus ojos. Está por venir en. ¡Pablo! ¡Entendiste! Tu vida es mi vida. De lunes a viernes a las 8 por Univisión. Y eso. Sí que amerita un brindis, ¿no crees? Let's continue with more paranormal crimes. Grafologist Foglia and his colleague Villegas arrive at Judge Casal's office in the courthouse, where they're received by Lucio. The judge's workroom is already prepared for the specialist to present the conclusions of their expertise. My dear Foglia, it's been a long time. Dario Tojo, followed by Turco, leave the kitchen, leaving his ex-wife alone and walk across the backyard towards the small sheet metal room. The dog, as far as the leash allows, follows them without stopping his barking. Turco looks at the taut rope and feels that at any moment it could snap and the dog could jump right in his face. Don't be afraid. It's just I'm more of a cat person. As long as you don't bother him, everything's gonna be fine. He ain't killed nobody yet. Arriving at the room, Toho opens the door, ushers Turco in. Then he goes in and closes the door. For an instant, the room is in total darkness. Turco feels for the first time that he has made a mistake. Suddenly, Toho turns on a light. And Toko finds himself in the middle of a humble workshop where young Dario cuts and frames mirrors. The cramped space has hundreds of mirrors in every corner. From the floor to the ceiling, everything is covered with mirrors. Small, medium, huge, antique, round, square, and broken. Everywhere you look, you see yourself in the mirror. Without realizing how, suddenly, Turco is alone with Toko, surrounded by thousands of other Turcos, and thousands of other Tojos on thousands of other planes. Okay, talk to me. How can you help me? Let's say I'm a friend who has the same interest as you in solving the case of Irma and her cousin. I don't understand. 
Torko walks through the mirrors, looking at the distorted images of his hundreds of replicas, conversing at different angles. There are people who are behind this case who try to find a rational explanation for everything, but the truth is that there is none. What happened with the bodies? Can you explain it to me? I don't know what you're talking about. Toho takes a glass cutter and begins to draw straight lines on a mirror on the work table. There isn't a single person involved in the whole case who could explain what really happened to the bodies. What I need to solve that very thing is to know more about the girls. And you want me to tell you? A little. You knew Claudia, didn't you? Yeah, a little. I saw her a couple of times at uh, get-togethers. And Irma? What was she like? Great girl. Irma didn't have problems with anybody. Was she taking drugs or anything? No. What was she gonna take? She didn't even drink alcohol. She didn't like it. When we would go out, she'd order a soda. That's all. She didn't like going out much either. She was... She was more of a stay-at-home kind of girl. Ah, oh, we had a good time. Very good time. I'm so sorry. Oh, I still can't believe it. Oh. Do you think it was an accident? Yeah, obviously. What else is it gonna be? Have you heard of Nina Kuligina? What? No, no, I haven't. Nina was a Russian woman who's known to have proven powers of telekinesis. That is, she used her mind to manipulate objects. She discovered that she could do it with her husband. When they argued, she would get angry and things in the house would smash against the wall. Bang! It's all lies. A lie? To rule out that it was a fraud, she was examined in 25 labs, subjected to hypnosis, emotional psychotherapy, neurological, physical, chemical, electromagnetic tests. There were so many tests that it became the first well-documented case in history. Okay, okay, and what does this Russian woman have to do with Irma? One of the most frightening exercises that Nina did was the manipulation of a frog's heartbeat. The organ maintained a normal rhythm, but started accelerating until it stopped beating. That showed that her mental power was so strong that it had the ability to influence the life of another being. And you're saying that Irma or Claudia could have had that power? Or someone in their environment who wanted to hurt them. And for that, I have to know a little more. And that's why I'm here. All right. What do you want to know? In Casal's office, graphologists Foglia and Vijegas stand at the slide projector, beginning the presentation of their analysis. An entire wall of the courtroom is covered by the cover of Claudia's notebook, the younger of the cousins. The judge and his secretary are ready to listen attentively. Having seen the general studies of the writing bodies of both victims, carried out together with the graphopsychological analysis of each one, we have reached the following conclusions. Claudia Fernandez, the younger of the two, had a submissive temperament, 
a childish schizoid personality and clear homosexual tendencies. At the same time, she presents a lack of practical sense, instability, um, a certain childishness, all of which presuppose a possible mental weakness. Very marked? Accentuated, uh, not detectable with the naked eye, but would merit assistance. Finally, if you look at the strokes, you will notice that they are soft, with little pressure, slow, fine, monotonous, with little rhythm, and little muscle tone. Why is that? Due to the consumption of some medication, a depressant or a tranquilizer. Now, Foglia, is it always like that? Always. Could it be from taking cold medicine or something for a fever? No, no, no. We are talking about something stronger. For his part, Turco looks at Dario Toho, trying to generate an atmosphere of conversation so that the answers are not monosyllabic, but the young man is immersed in his work. He marks, hits, and cuts. Mechanically, Toho breaks a large mirror into long strips. In the constant action, and as a matter of course, a sliver of glass is left in his palm. He deftly removes it and continues. A drop of blood comes forth from the wound, and Toho, as if in passing, sucks at it as he works. Blood doesn't seem to bother you, does it? No. You spent a lot of time at Irma's house, didn't you? I used to go on the weekend. Did anything strange ever happen? Anything you couldn't explain? Like what? Did you see things? Did you hear voices? Did the lights turn on by themselves? <laughs> no. Did dirt appear in the drawers or red ribbons hanging? No, no, nothing at all. Irma tell you that she had met anyone? Who's she gonna meet? I don't know. She didn't tell me anything. Did she tell you that she had any strange dreams? No, listen, it's been two minutes and I got a lot of work to do, I, I, so... I, I know, I know. I'm, I'm sorry. Just a few more questions and I'll leave it. Uh, did she have any religious practices? What? Irma, did she believe in anything? Did she go to church, to a temple? No, was she part of a no, cell? No, no, stop, stop! Okay, let's talk straight. I see where you're going. I have no idea what you think happened there, but I don't want to know either. The only thing I'm interested in is you getting out of here with all this nonsense and wasting my time. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dario. I'm sorry, Dario, but the truth is that I came here You don't have to be sorry. Irma was a normal woman who studied, worked, and on the weekends we went out together. Her and her cousin weren't involved in anything weird. No cults, no Russians with frogs, no dirt in the drawers, nothing like that, nothing. So don't ask me any more of these questions and don't even think of coming back here with all this weird stuff because I don't know you, but you don't know me either. Got it? So if I were you, I'd get out of here and stop driving me crazy, okay? All the Torcos in each mirror, shrugging their shoulders, not at the same time. It's time to retreat. Torco knows the boundaries, despite having crossed them long ago. With a gesture, he waves goodbye to Toho and walks out of the tin room. He walks through the backyard towards the kitchen. And the terror that invades him from the invisible threat of the wild dog forces him to speed up his steps. Suddenly, he feels that he's been let loose in a hunting field and he's the prey. The beast has just sniffed out his fear and is probably after him now. The tension forces him to run awkwardly, to get to the window as soon as possible. But suddenly... 
got it? Don't come back here. Toko's former mistress greets Torko in the kitchen and walks him to the door. Thank you very much for everything, Mamba. Sorry for the inconvenience and, and thanks for the tea. No, thank you. Dario is a good man. I know, I know. He, he looks mean, but he's good. But thank you for everything. In the courtroom, Lucio refills the coffee cups while Cassell continues to listen intently to the graphologist's findings. Irma Hiron, the older of the two. She has an aggressive temperament, sanguine, normal intelligence level, average percentile. No signs of intoxication appear in her graphism, but there are traits that indicate tendencies toward homosexuality. So you interpret that there could be a love relationship between them? Yes, but hidden. If it happened, only they knew about it. And could such a passionate relationship in the face of the rejection of the outside world have led them to suicide? Our guess is negative. There was no suicide. The personalities do not coincide with suicidal profiles. Taking into account that one of the girls was using tranquilizers or depressants, we imagine the possibility that they were using other drugs without knowing what they were doing. Aha. Uh -huh. In other words, your conclusion is that you can rule out any possibility of suicide. Uh, I'm going to answer you like this. Um, give me sheet six, Villegas. I believe that this image helps us a lot to interpret and understand the bond that they have. The haunting illustration of the banquet is projected onto the huge wall of the room. The two anthropomorphic, animal-headed beings dance and wallow by the fire, now all along the wall of Casal's office. Here we see two humanized animals playing, dancing, having fun near the fire. They're having fun, but they keep the danger represented by the fire at a distance. That is, they know the danger, and they like to be close to it, but not to touch it. So? This presents all the elements of having had a secret, passionate, intense relationship. But I rule out that they were capable of taking their own lives. Is that your conclusion? Definitive. It would have been different if the beasts were dancing on the fire. Now, that would be another story. Dr. Casal and Lucio look at each other, knowing that another door is closing. The judge accompanies Foglia and Villegas to the elevator. I hope you can figure out what happened. Oh yeah, me too. Keep sticking to it, Casal. You will get there. Thank you very much, Doctor, and a pleasure to see you again. My pleasure. The judge returns to his chambers, where Lucio collects the cups and sorts through the last of the papers. Casal approaches the board and rules out suicide. Negative. Then he takes a few steps back and looks at the whole web that's been rooting itself into the wall. The case is turning into a maze. Okay, I put all the papers together and I still need to write the brief for the meeting. Casal nods without hearing it. He's thinking that the results from the needles might tell him whether the cousins died of an overdose or poisoning. But he's also thinking that the samples that were sent for a second autopsy might confirm his best guess, death by carbon monoxide poisoning. Lucio? Yes, doctor? 
What do we know about the samples that Flores sent for a second expert opinion? Uh, they were delivered in the afternoon to the laboratory. Perfect. When are you going to write the brief? Ah, uh, babe, uh, I haven't had time yet. Later. It's all right. Do it tomorrow. Have a good rest, Lucio. Dr. Casal sits at his desk to sign the last papers. Among them, the summary of the samples sent for his second necropsy. At that precise moment, in one of the most prestigious forensic laboratories, they begin to work on them. Shall I go on? No. Bottle number two, containing 180 grams of liver, 30 grams of spleen, 110 grams of kidney, and three cubic centimeters of bloody liquid that drained from the viscera. Number two, you said. Right, that's six, and a couple of bags. Come on, go on. Bottle three, 690 grams of brain, 120 grams of lung. If this new expertise comes back positive for carbon monoxide, the cousin's case is quickly resolved as a domestic accident, where two women accidentally fell asleep and suffocated to death. However, for now, this is not the case. The frosty night fills the windows of the old train with frost. Turco, sitting alone by himself in the train car, returns home completely disappointed. It seems that the spark he started the day with is gone. He feels immense frustration, not only for not finding answers, but also for not getting others to ask the same questions. Maybe your boss is right, and it's time to drop the case. All this is not going to lead to anything good, except more frustration. A similar feeling of bitterness is felt by Casal, who continues alone in his office, reflecting, looking for answers. But deep down, he knows that all this has already exceeded his own limits. And yet, he still doesn't know that he has a long way to go. Hello? Dr. Casal. Yes, who is this? This is Dr. Barrio Canal. Oh, how are you, doctor? Has anything happened? I'm bothering you because I read the autopsy reports performed by Flores. Uh-huh. And I have the answer. What? Have you ever heard of the Black Mamba? This has been Paranormal Crimes, where reason meets its limits. Season 1, The Mystery of the Cousins. Scenes from the next episode. You're crazy! How are you going to disappear like that with the information I have? No, 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 no. I'm not going to follow the case anymore. I've already quit. Are you crazy now? Mario Canal has showed up and he's with Casal right now. Undress Mario Canal? Yes. Does he have any clues? He doesn't have any clues. He's got the answer. As soon as I heard about it in the news, the case grabbed my attention. I can imagine. There was something that had a familiar sound to it, a hint of a story I had already lived. From that moment on, I began to look into it more and more until I found the key. I understand. You suggest then that the cousins were bitten by a snake. I'm suggesting that they died from snake poisoning. 
Doctor, I imagine that you had access to the case and have already read the autopsy reports, and that's how you reached this conclusion. Is that correct? You may be wondering, why would Dr. Baryakunal link these deaths to a snake? Exactly. And I don't have the answer. <laughs> Science has it. Studies on mice have shown that with the right dose, the venom of the black mamba produces a violent acceleration of the putrefaction of the corpse. With a medium to strong dose, the victim dies within minutes, and in less than 48 hours, the body appears as decomposed as these. Doctor, how are you? Well, not very well. I've been waiting for the results since this afternoon. What's going on? Well, the situation is more complicated than I thought. The thing is, we couldn't evaluate anything. Not even the monoxide or the poison? Nothing. But why? What's going on? The hearts. The hearts are gone. Paranormal Crimes. Produced by Plataforma Sound Stories. Original production for Euphoria Podcast. Presented by Euphoria. Aloha, mamá. Sorry por responder hasta ahora. Estuve toda la tarde con mi unidad arreglando un helicóptero Black Hawk. Hawái es increíble. Luego te cuento más. Te quiero. Be all you can be. Visitando goarmy.com diagonal español. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arupay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita Boost Mobile. Dicen que traigo la suerte a todo el que está a mi lado Y esa es mi mala fortuna Basada en el clásico de Juan Rulfo Llega Univision El gallo de oro Supongamos que la caponera puede inclinar la suerte A quien ella quiera Estás tardando en conquistarla Con Lucero, José Ron y Plutarco Asa Este gallo me está cambiando la vida En una historia legendaria de amor y azar No trates de cambiarme, no lo vas a lograr El gallo de oro Lunes a viernes a las 9 por Univision